School of Communication and Media at Montclair State University. This is the Communication and Media Research Collaboratory, also known as the CMRC. The CMRC explores research and teaching techniques across the field of communication. I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Greenwood, bringing you the results of faculty and students working together to solve complex problems and drive our culture forward. Flipping the script has become a popular media literacy technique, particularly when it comes to the ageless fairy tale of the princess living happily ever after with her prince. More recently, the princess narrative has been uh, recast as one of mistress of her own destiny. This past August, Matt Groening, creator of The Simpsons, dropped his new irreverent and witty animated sitcom for adults titled Disenchantment that follows the story of a rebellious and alcoholic princess, her naive elf companion, and her personal demon. Unconventional, for sure. But before Disenchantment, there was the irreverent musical comedy Disenchanted that brings the original storybook heroines back to life to set the record straight with an empowering message for modern girls. Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, and others reflect on their lot in life. They sing about sexuality, body image issues, and even racism. The play is based on the book, music, and lyrics, all written by Dennis T. Giacchino, who was a teacher in New Jersey and acted on the Black River Playhouse in Chester nearly 40 years ago. Originally, Disenchanted was a limited engagement off-Broadway production in 2014, and then in 2015 it had an open-ended run at the West Side Theater in Manhattan. It played to sold-out houses, rave reviews, and received several New York City Award nominations, and even won the 2011 New Jersey Playwrights Contest. A teen version of a Disenchanted has also been licensed out to high schools in Florida, Canada, and worldwide. And in 2019, there are performances in Italy, the United Kingdom, Australia, and Argentina. Currently, Disenchanted has a a local run with the Chester Theatre Company through October 21st. Joining us today is Susan Hagen, who by night plays Rapunzel in Disenchanted, and by day... Susan is the department administrator and program advisor in the Department of Secondary and Special Education in the College of Education and Human Services here at Montclair State University. And in the interest of full disclosure, Susan and I have worked together in various capacities for more than a decade. Wow. (laughs) Whether she's on stage or behind her desk, I'm one of Susan's biggest fans. Welcome to the CMRC podcast, Susan. Thank you, Dr. Greenwood. (laughs) You can call me Vanessa. Thanks, Vanessa. (laughs) So in 2014, the New York Times described Cinderella as kind of a nitwit. Snow White can be a little mean. And Sleeping Beauty, well, she's a narcoleptic, apparently. (laughs) How would you describe your character Rapunzel? Uh, Rapunzel is a strong German woman who um, has a very commanding stage presence and um, really knows her stuff. She's very in charge of her space, and um, she is the one princess who hasn't sold out, who hasn't been Disneyfied. So she is. Um, she comes out with a uh, magnis- magnificent unibrow. <laughs> yes, I saw it. I I worshipped that unibrow. Yeah, <laughs> um, and combat boots, and you know has a pretty dress and and the long hair, but otherwise is uh, very um, very commanding and 
strong character. She and 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 uh, beautiful. Well, you have beautiful red, like strawberry blonde hair, but but this was sort of uber braid right. braids, like very uh, full. Yes, full <laughs> braids. Um, just to give the listeners a, a visual on that. Yes. Um, so there's one song that you as Rapunzel sing with Snow White and Cinderella, and it's titled. Not Vund Red Scent. Yes. And it points to the uber commodification and commercialization of the Walt Disney Company. And it really is your swan song. So each of the, the princesses have their own sort of cameo performance that comprise this production. So what's for you been the best part of performing that song? Um, the best part is the audience participation and singing with my fellow actresses, uh, Snow White and Cinderella. Um, it's also one of the first times I've ever been on stage singing by myself. Um, so that's been a really big deal for me and a real confidence builder. Um, I've been um, doing theater for almost my whole life since about the seventh grade. And this was really a, uh, fantastic role and I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to play her um, and the song is just really fun and I, I get to command the room for six minutes and <laughs> um, it's it's cool to be in charge like that. So they they lament about uh, being on uh, I guess it's tri- the the rhyme I don't I don't have with me but it's like on the packages of Trident like right. these princesses appear on right. all of the, the on, marketing right on minty fresh Trident and box of VDs and they don't get any money for that at all they're just pimped out by Walt Disney is one of the lines I have so <laughs> it's great and and I did I did see the show and I did um, appreciate that I know how you feel about performing an ensemble there's a lot of strength yeah. and you know courage from that and for you to be able to do this cameo I was very I was rooting for you thank you um, at the same time I I feared Rapunzel she looks <laughs> I think she's a bodybuilder um, but your accent was spot on so feel free if you want to continue this interview in a German accent I'm fine with that okay um, so for snippets that I've seen on YouTube and our our listeners might go and see. I've seen a few numbers performed on broadcast television. I think CBS, one of their morning shows, did. Right. Um, saw um, a, a sort of excerpt of it. I wasn't expecting such a cohesive play. And there's actually a storyline that threads it all together quite nicely. So you and I were talking about this, how um, it's it's easy to deconstruct and go the feminist route and sort of tear down the Disney version of the princesses. But what Giacchino, and I really hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, what he does brilliantly is he doesn't just deconstruct and peel away the Disney candy coating. There are some poignant, really deeper layers of social commentary in this. Um, for you, in in experiencing this whole story, what has been sort of from your vantage point, the poignancy in the overall story? Like what's the, and I, I'm afraid I ask my students this all the time. So what's the thesis? Like what's the takeaway from this other than Disney is inaccurate? Mm -hmm. um, I I think that overall the, the storyline is, um, it's very well written and, um, 
it carries through the entire show this idea that you know you don't need a man to save you and um that beauty is comes in all different sizes and colors and ages and races and it's a very unifying production i think and the ensemble of women that i've worked with and the director and musical director are just fantastic people who you know we just all came together and and made this happen in a way that I think is very, um, it's certainly very funny, um, but I think it has a good message um, all the way through. It's very female, too. Yes. We tend to, when we get together, we accomplish uh, a lot. Yes, That's we a very do. female thing. Exactly. Um, there was a, I was particularly struck by um, the Pocahontas. Um, also, I mention this all yeah. the time. She's one of my 13th grade grandmothers, but she sings this <laughs> song. I believe it's called uh, titled Honestly. Honestly. Yeah. And it really is one of the less slapstick, more poignant songs, I think, in the musical. She points out that she was actually 10 years old at the time of mm-hmm. John Smith. Um, she never really kissed him. That was a you know, fairy tale. Right. And also she throws in, and this is one of the more brilliant uh, comedic, I think, elements. Is And by the way, the the Disney um, white men that drew her, uh, why did they give her such big boobs? Right. 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 So this, this um, <laughs> and they're all valid lamentations yes. that are bolstered, no pun intended, by, by, <laughs> by historical fact. So the thing about it that was so media literate to me is that, that it juxtaposes the the fairy tale with historical fact. And when you get that together, code it with a lot of commodification and Disney technicolor that, that what you get is a potentially dangerous combination for, for a lot of women over time. Um, and their princess Ariel was, I'm sorry. Mermaid. We have to call her the little mermaid. That's right. And (laughs) it's important to point out why we have to call her little mermaid. Right. Because, because um, Disney named her Ariel, and so the the original fairy tales by the Brothers Grimm um, and The Little Mermaid was Hans Christian Andersen. Um, but we, uh, for example, we have um, The Princess That Kissed the Frog. We can't call her Tiana because that's the Disney version. And so, these are trademarks, that's names. Right. Yes. And so I would imagine it's kind of a landmine to sidestep a lot of these trademark infringements. Yes. And yeah. we had to also be very cautious and careful about the costumes. So they couldn't be look too much like the Disney princesses. So we couldn't just order those costumes online. We, you know, we had a team of costume designers who really recreated the costumes and had a, a vision for, for them in a, in the fashion of the character. In The Little Mermaid, she, she is reconstructed as reminiscent to me of like a country music. Yes. It's like she, and she's drunk in the, you know, yes. she plays into this drunken stupor. She enters it. Um, and she lists all the down the downsides of trading her mermaid fishtail for legs, right? All for you know a vapid prince. That's right. Um, and so, so it's it's quite, the way she sings it is so comedic in this drunken stupor. But print, the Little Mermaid, yes, but not so much. Mm-hmm. And so Giacchino does this again, a very media literate deconstruction, but then rebuilding it. As this new, more improved, sort of modern 
uh, version. And I didn't, I, the takeaway for me wasn't uh, to be bitter. It was just to be um, amused right. and to be more thoughtful um, and not necessarily to disparage Disney. Um, but the moral really that I took away was to dance, sing, and march to your own drum in yeah. a way that's perfectly imperfect. Right. Um, but most and of empowering. all... Right. And yeah. that empowerment, I think, lies in being true and honest, not only to history and all of its imperfections, um, but also true to the moment. Um, and that that will always be enough. So the ways that the character, the princesses interact, um, what came through was that you will always be enough. Right. Even in a drunken stupor, even in, <laughs> in um, an Ariel who's in a straight, uh, straight jacket. Belle. Belle, I'm sorry. Um, Belle from, from Beauty and the Beast. She right. comes in in a straight jacket. Yes. And again, is crazy because all of her dishes and right. utensils sing and she can't <laughs> make sense of all that. That's right. Um, and, uh, that, I mean, that message is, um, is powerful. Um, so Susan, uh, Hagen plays the role of Rapunzel in the musical comedy Disenchanted, and it's currently running at the Chester Theater Group. Uh, through October 21st. And for tickets, which I think they're all sold out. We but, are sold out, yes. <laughs> but you can learn more by going to chestertheatergroup.org. And if you miss this uh, group performance, uh, the Women's Theater is performing it in Parsippany mm -hmm. in February of 2019. Yes. So, Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Greenwood. You can find out more about the Communication and Media Research Collaboratory at cmrcollaboratory.org and on Twitter at cmrcollaborate. This has been the CMRC Podcast here on WMSC. WMSC.